Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win! Don't you open your mouth about the best. Oh, yo, I'm going to send it for you real quick. L-O-B. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? I got nothing to lose. It's nothing to man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. Instead of saying, why me? They're saying, this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland! This is for you! The way we approach the game is the same way we approach life. You do the right thing. You make the right play. Make the right play. And in life, it's the same thing. What do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? And you do that. You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And um, uh, I think it's just that. Welcome to what? The game. Me. To me. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What the Game Means to Me. I'm your host again, Jelani Brown. No, I've been off for a while. I've um, been having to finish up some coaching, getting myself back to health, everything. You know, a lot has been going on, but definitely glad to hop back into this podcasting thing. You know, talk about some big sports news that's happened over the course of the last few weeks. Of course, we got the WNBA back, we got the NBA back, MLB bunch of different news across a bunch of different you know sports and leagues in general so definitely definitely um looking forward to getting into it should be another great show of course i'm gonna talk about all this news give you my reactions my thoughts opinions and you know hope you guys agree if you don't we said this is not your podcast so we're gonna um hop straight into it i'm gonna go ahead and talk about the basketball world since that's pretty much what's in the forefront of everybody's minds you know like i said WNBA and nba came back so it's been a lot of different news a lot of different things that's been happening with those two organizations definitely definitely want to hop into that um first things first uh i definitely want to shout out the WNBA for their continued efforts to keep pushing for social justice and change they've definitely been one of the progressive leagues along with the nba so pretty much everything that we're seeing so far on these games and in these games is pretty much come from them um, the social justice uh, sayings that the NBA adopted pretty much came from, you know, Angel McCautry bringing that up to the WNBA, wanting to wear Breonna Taylor on the back of her jersey. I think I talked about it in a different um, podcast. But um, if it wasn't for that NBA, who knows if they would have adopted you know, their social justice sayings that the different players are wearing, such as, you know, education reform, vote, say their names, Black Lives Matter, you know, a whole bunch of different things that, you know, the players get to wear. Um, also, the Black Lives Matter being plastered on the court came from Brianna Stewart, of course, another WN player from the Seattle Storm. Was it for her idea? Who knows if the WN or the NBA would have adopted it? So definitely shout out to them for continuing their their great ideas and everything that they've helped bring forward for both leagues and everything that we you know get to see on TV and all the social justice and change efforts that both leagues have you know put on display in order to keep that in the forefront of everybody's mind. So. Definitely want to start off the show shouting them out. Um, like I said, basketball is back. It's back. 
in full effect. We've had plenty of games since the start. Yeah, like I said, we're against real game. We had scrimmages and then real games started you know, July 30th. But it's uh, it's been great. It's pretty much basketball on every single day. Like I said, they go back to back. They pretty much get one day break for both leagues, I believe. So it's been a bunch of WNBA games, been a bunch of NBA games. Um, And, you know, like I said, it's, it's been great to see them push the social justice um, issue, um, doing commercials, doing breaks, doing live broadcasts with the sayings on their shirts, um, taking the knee during the uh, national anthem, you know, continuing that tradition and everything that, you know, Kaepernick started. So I'm really loving it, really loving it. Um, of course, I'm also loving the gameplay. With the NBA, it's been a lot of close games, really a lot of close games, actually. Seattle, not Seattle, sorry. Houston, I don't know where Seattle came from. Houston, Portland had, you know, close game the other night. Houston pulled out one against Dallas, you know, a few nights ago. Los Angeles pulled one out against the Clippers. Um, it's just you know, pulled a close one out against the Bucks, I believe, too. So it's been just, a, you know, a bunch of great games, great just competition on in general. Been a lot of surprise teams as well um, on both ends. But honestly, the top three front runners, um, the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks have been kind of disappointing. It's like with the Lakers, they play you know pretty good one game, and then they fall off the next game. Um, Bucks have lost a good amount of games. I think three. Uh, they lost one to the Brooklyn Nets. That's playing with D leaguers. Um, they've also lost to, I believe, the Suns and someone else. Um, but pretty much, they they have to get together. They got a plethora of guys that you know can definitely win the championship this year. They all pull it together, but. Um, like I said, they just haven't been playing up to their potential. Giannis has had, you know, one or two strong games, but other than that, um, he hasn't been that same MVP caliber player in this bubble. And then also with the Clippers, they, I guess, it's really just they're they're missing Lou and Montreal. They need that push off the bench. Um, they can't really rely solely on their two stars, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So um, once they get those two back, you know. In full effect, and I think they'll probably be all right. Um, they'll probably return to, I guess, how they how how they were, how they've been playing. I guess that the NBA champions have that some have already crowned. So, um, yeah, I guess like I said, they're just missing those two players. They've lost a good amount of games as well. Lost a buzzer beater against the Suns. Devin Booker hit that crazy shot. Um, also lost, of course, that that first game that counted against the Lakers. So um, they got a few things to figure out as well. Um, but I want to get into some of the surprise teams that have come out this bubble just straight hooping that I was not expecting to happen whatsoever. Um, I'll say Portland for last because I kind of expected, especially them getting nurtured and um, what you call it? I forgot his name. Uh, Zach, Zach back. So um, those two, those two bigs definitely have proven dividends for them. And I, I knew once they got them back and they got all the guys full, you know, fully healthy that they would be something you know to watch for watch out for so i'll say them for last but two teams that have definitely been a surprise have been the suns even brooklyn to an extent even orlando i don't think they've i don't think they've lost the game um but definitely the suns they've definitely put out a lot of close games they've been playing pretty well as a unit as a team said with booker leading that way or leading the charge there so they're not too far. I think they're two games out from, you know, eighth, eighth place, two and two or two and a half out from eighth place now. It's a lot of teams pushing the Grizzlies for that spot because I guess I didn't mention them, but they 
have not won a game yet. I think they're only four in games that mattered and counted in the bubble. So they don't hurry up and figure things out. That A spot could be taken away from them just like that. Because Portland's hungry. Said the Suns are hungry. Even to an extent, uh, the Pelicans are hungry. I think they're you know even. I think they may be two and two um, in the bubble, and they're not far back, like two games back as well. So there's some teams that's at the bottom that's hungry, that's vying for their spot. So they don't hurry up and get it right quick. They got four more games. More than likely, I'm, I'm even if they sweep these next four games, I'm seeing a play-in tournament happen with them with that bottom eight seed uh, in the West. So I don't know. It's it's been interesting to see, interesting to watch. I said even Brooklyn to an extent they pulled out the game against the Bucks that no one expected them to pull out. I think they you know covering the biggest or largest um cover spread um last few years by beating them by three. So um says a lot of teams that's been coming that's been ready and prepared, um, whether they have their star players or not, to come and play and try to win a championship. So like I said, there's a lot of teams on both sides that have things to figure out, whether they're you know, one of the top seeds top dogs or, you know, one of the ones vying for a playoff spot still. So, And just to hop back on, I guess, the WNBA train real quick, I just want to shout them out. Then also say there's a lot of good games, a lot of good games that's been played by them as well. So everybody needs to check those games out, check them out, follow them on social media. They're starting to, of course, broadcast a lot more of their games. The viewer, viewer ratingship is also, you know, skyrocketing. They're putting games on ESPN, ESPN2. Um, NBA TV, so definitely check out some of those games. Some of my favorites, I like watching Los Angeles Sparks because they're three-headed monster. They got Chelsea Gray, they got Miss Anike, and then they got che- uh, sorry, I don't know why I was say Chelsea. They got Candace Parker. <laughs> um, so they definitely have a three-headed monster over that way. Also, uh, you know, Phoenix Mercury with Brittany. Um, of course, they newly acquired guard skylar diggins and then of course the goat diana tarasi she's always clutch she's been hooping as well um even in the seattle uh seattle storm i think they've only lost one game so far brianna stewart's come back off an injury they're looking scary they're probably i've been it's been between them and probably los angeles for me that i think might end up winning their wnba championship so yeah i say watch their watch their product watch their league they put out a lot of good stuff. The gameplay is terrific. Like I said, it's a lot of it's been a lot of close games, a lot of interesting games as well. And like I said, they're broadcasting on TV, so everybody should definitely be supporting. Um, especially after what I said in the beginning of the show, they're the reason a lot of the stuff that we're even seeing on TV right now that these leagues are even doing is because of them. So continue to support their league, support those women, and shout out to everything that they're doing. And to end with the WNBA news, kind of NBA and WNBA news, but Kyrie Irving. Uh, of course, with the Brooklyn Nets, he pledged $1.5 million to WNBA players that have decided to opt out of the season. Uh, he partnered with Natasha Cloud, who is one of the WNBA players that decided to sit out this year. Um, and they created an initiative called KAI, Empowerment Initiative, um, to pretty much get that going. So I believe pretty much you know the WNBA players that have decided to sit out, they can apply, apply for it, apply for the benefits. Um, of course, state their reason why they're sitting out and a few other things that they got to get, you know, checked off. But pretty much, you know, another guy that gets a lot of, you know, gets a lot of, excuse my language, shit in the media because, you know, his different ideas and different thought process. And he's just an outspoken guy. And, you know, him just putting his money where his mouth is was a great thing to do and a great thing to see. But, of course, 
honestly, I didn't really see this story too, too often, but kind of got swept under the rug. But, you know, a guy that's opinionated shouldn't be shut up because of his opinions, if that makes sense. Um, he said he's doing another good thing, another great thing. He's helping out the women that, of course, if you guys don't know, is the greatest, the greatest pay disparity between the two leagues and two teams and what women make versus what men make. Um, I know y'all have seen it, probably heard plenty of times. I think the highest paid WNBA player makes like 127000 128000 a season while, you know, a bench warmer can make, you know, probably no less than a million, you know, maybe 800000 veteran signing, whatever. But regardless, that pay disparity is disgusting. So it's definitely nice to see Kyrie Irving step up to the plate. Hopefully, maybe some other W or sorry NBA players are willing to do the same, help him with his cause and donate some of their profit and some of their money um, to the initiatives to you know get these WNBA players um, some money while they were not able to play um, during this season. Next, I want to move on to the MLB since they're the next league that's also um, or actually the first league, but another league that came back in action since I've been gone. Um, it's it's been a lot of. St- a lot of surrounding baseball, a lot of stuff surrounding baseball, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ugly. Um, it's definitely getting more to be bad and ugly, um, even within the short two weeks that they've been back playing, um, if two weeks. But pretty much um, baseball started back, you know, July 25th. I thought everything would be, you know, grand and, you know, just 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 great. And, you know, everybody loved the fact that live sports are back, but you know, some I think some people also weren't thinking about the consequences of possibly if you know what happens with one person in a clubhouse gets COVID, then what happens? Especially with the way the MLB is doing everything. So of course, I'm pretty sure you guys have watched and seen already. They're not doing the bubble idea. They didn't do the bubble idea. They went with the pretty much no fans can come to the games and everybody's gonna play at their own parks. Um, which at first sounded, I mean, for baseball, it kind of seems like. I know there was another way. There's definitely probably campuses or a state to where they have enough, you know, housing and baseball fields and everything to the, where they could have hosted, try to host all the different teams. I know it's a little different with NBA. Every team wasn't invited because it was close to the playoffs. So, you know, cut down the team. So that means they were able to cut down on the amount of, you know, housing and rooms they needed and also the campus and courts they would need in order to put on their show and product. Um, another thing is they also have less players than you know a MLB team has. So I know this is a lot of different issues and a few things I thought about too. Where I was like, yeah, it probably was the best idea to let the teams play at their own stadium. But then again, we're seeing that maybe again it might not have been the best, and that maybe they didn't put enough rules and regulations in order to you know keep the teams and all the players controlled. So it can be more like a bubble-like situation then, you know, kind of like what, what's been displayed so far. And what I mean by that pretty much is, like I said, if you guys don't know or haven't seen already, I think within the first week, 14 Marlin players and staff ended up, you know, contracting COVID, which affected a lot of different teams. There were some teams that had just played them. Um, I forgot who. Might have been maybe the Yankees. It was somebody that had just played them, maybe the Nationals, um, that, you know, brought up concerns for them because maybe they thought they contracted it from them. And then also – put a pause on a lot of other teams' seasons, which I believe was the Phillies and Nationals because they were scheduled to play them um, in upcoming series. So pretty much it, it, it's, it's been 
a lot <laughs> because, like I said, it's put a lot of teams uh, season on pause and postponing of things, and it's just it's it's beginning to look like a circus, honestly. Um, and they're not even the only ones. The, this week, you know, Cardinals players and staff also found like some of them contracted COVID as well, and. Like I said, that other teams are dead. Like all of these teams are affected by one another because they're playing each other. They're playing each other in their own parks. They're you know traveling, and you know they're finding out you know days later after they've already played different teams in different states and everything. So it it's like I said, it seems like it could have. It probably was hard in order to come up with a bubble type idea, but then at the same time, it seems like there really wasn't any plan or ideas in the first place um because of everything you know that's happening like these two teams within the first week and a half of playing have had players and you know staff contract this and you know honestly it can only get worse from here like good thing is not in a bubble because in a bubble it probably could have spread faster than what it is doing now but i think the the way they're going about things at this point isn't the best and it's probably going to get a lot uglier than it gets better especially because you know pretty much robert manfred the commissioner he said like these outbreaks haven't been great enough to shut the league down which i can kind of see why he said that but at the same time something needs to be done or put in place in order to pretty much nip it in the bud and can keep it from spreading you know whether it's rapidly or you know slowly to other teams and you know end up putting a lot of people's lives in danger as a whole um so I don't know specifically what they're going to do or what they can do besides maybe shutting down the season. I feel like that's what it's headed to, in my opinion, a shutdown of the season because there's no way they can scrap up a plan to, you know, get a bubble together at this point. And, you know, it, it shows, like, they. I, I guess pretty much honestly what they're going to – they just have to put more restraint on the players and more restraint on the organization and staff. Like, they can't, you know, go to major events. They can't really go out and do as much as they – you know, normally could like they can't let live their everyday lives whether they're in the clubhouse or not. Like they have to be more secure. Like you know, wearing mask like in and out of the stadium, going like straight home. Like they just gotta do stuff like that or straight to the hotel. Like they can't just. I don't know specifically if they've been out or have any rules or guidelines to keep them from going out or going to certain places. But it just seems like that's the best choice or best idea, especially with all these teams having to travel different places and seems hard seems tedious it seems like they can't really keep their eye on everything that's happening but like with the type of model that they're going with the type of experiment that they chose to do with the mlb it's just what might have to happen but anyway gonna move on um definitely want to talk about um one of my team's players Jonas cespedes his situation and everything so pretty much this man I guess just decided he just wasn't going to come back, <laughs> like which is all good and fine because I understand why we're going through a global pandemic. There's a lot of players that have opted out, um, even missed the season, first few games. They've, there's been a lot of players that opted out. But the way he did it was just hilarious and kind of scary. I mean, not hilarious. It was hilarious after the fact, um, especially when I saw on Twitter, like him, you know, being pictured at the mall or whatever, like a day or two afterwards. But the fact that, you know, he played the game the night before and then they had an early start, I believe like a one o'clock game next day. No one could find him. Wasn't in his hotel room. Everything was cleared out, cleaned out. They didn't hear from him. Nobody, he didn't call anybody. Agent didn't call anybody. He just up and disappeared. It's like, like he got kidnapped, you know, and they're in the middle of the game in the midst of the game. No one knows like where he's at. 
And, you know, that's scary, honestly. As he's a grown man, he's an athlete, you know, he probably can care for himself. But at the same time, like hearing like senior player play the night before and then the next day in the afternoon, he's just missing and gone without a word, honestly, without a trace because all this stuff was taken. It's a little upsetting and alarming. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that have been saying like was hard on him, said he could have handled it better, which I think he probably could have handled it better. You know, I don't blame him for leaving and opting out. He could have easily have done that right after the game that night before. But, you know, just to up and leave, you know, not saying anything at all. So, you know, you know, come on. You just you can't really do that. I know, like you said, I, he, he's kind of had some friction with the Mets um, organization. But, like, the least you can do is have an agent, like, text him, like, hey, he's opting out. And, you know, just head back to New York or wherever, um, Jamaica or folk, wherever he was going to head. But, you know, definitely a scary situation, like, to just not to – say anything at all and then you know just disappear but moral story is he opted out this season that's another bat that's out of our lineup um and we haven't been playing that that well as a whole so who knows what's going to be of my Mets this year if they're gonna you know be able to squeeze their way into the playoffs or what but um like I say definitely could handle it a little bit better but I don't blame him for opting out whatsoever um you know he probably was in his mind beginning the season that he possibly wanted to opt out anyway, but I know for him, he's been coming off an injury. He went, he still kind of, I think, has a chip on shoulder, something to prove, you know, that he's not getting old, that he can still hit, that he can still play. So that's probably, you know, kind of why he came back, but I'm sure that he had um, ideas and thoughts of probably, you know, opting out to begin with, just like any other player. And the last thing I want to hit on is the Joe Kelly suspension. Just terrible. <laughs> like, this. Just the one word, just sum everything up, just terrible. You know, he, he of course, like in baseball, it's not condoned to throw pit like throw pitches and pitches that he throw did pretty much, you know, come really, really close to the heads of the batters. But to suspend him for eight games, and I forgot someone did the math, but in the eight games over a 60, 60 game season, I think equivalent to like twenty two or twenty three games or maybe a little bit more, maybe like 28 games over, you know, 160-something game season. So that just seemed really harsh, really, really harsh for not hitting anybody and literally just mocking the players as, you know, he struck them out, Correa, as he struck them out. So it's like like eight games, come on, bro. Like, y'all can do better. Like, the MLB is just protecting the, you know, Houston cheat tros and, you know, not giving them the punishment that they needed. And, you know, it's just going to happen all year. Like, they're going to – Teams are going to come after them all year. You know, it started off It started off a little bit, you know, beginning of the season. And even if it dies down in the middle, once that playoffs ramps up, especially if they make it, it's going to it's gonna ramp up extremely, like extremely more than just, you know, what Joe Kelly did. So just terrible. MLB needs to handle the situation better. They need to get a handle on their league a little bit more. And they need to figure it out. Or it's going to be a lot more cases shooting up. And the season's just going to have to be cut. And I know a lot of people don't want to see that, but it might just have to be for the greater good. Next, I'm going to just go ahead and move on to the NFL. A lot of news coming out of the NFL as well as they're preparing to have their season um, come up. First thing I want to hit on is the NFL's plan to continue their social justice agenda in sports. Uh, They plan on writing messages in the end zones. Uh, Some of the sayings will be, it takes all of us and in racism. Um, They're also going to wear decals of victims of police brutality on their helmets, things like that. So I've seen, you know, little screenshots and pictures of, like, on the Falcons helmet, they've had Ahmaud Arbery, and then on another team's helmet, can't couldn't really make it out which one it was, but 
uh, Brianna uh, Taylor's name as well. So, you know, just going along with other sports leagues, I'm, I'm glad they're trying to do something, bringing some type of initiative out um, to continue to keep that in the forefront of everybody's minds. But at some point, like I said, it's big. the NFL especially, they need to do more than, you know, just these little things just to kind of keep good face with, with, with the viewers and black audience. Um, like the NBA, which I forgot to mention, um, they pledged $300 million uh, to, you know, black communities and helping uh, e- economic, social um, initiatives in, in those departments and, you know, in, in the black community. So I believe they're going to touch on a lot of things like in the technology field, um, in high schools, in, in, in uh, lower end colleges, um, lower end communities, just stuff like that. So um again i know that the nfl has has done you know things in the past to allocate some money to certain initiatives and you know, players wants and everything but i think they're they're the league that generates the most revenue um if not them mlb so um like i said they just have to start putting their money where their mouth is and doing more because there's a lot of or it's a lot that african-american people <laughs> have done for the nfl obviously they're their well, not their fan base. Sorry, their player base being around like seventy to seventy five percent African American. So, um, glad that they're taking part in all the social justice change. But would love to see and do a little bit more as the big league incorporation that they are. And of course, with um us still being in a pandemic, there of course have been a lot of players that have decided to opt out. The first one was Laurent Duvernay, uh, Tardif. It's the first player. Um, I don't know what position he plays, but I know he plays for Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he was the first player to opt out. De'Anthony Thomas, for wide receiver for the Ravens, was the second to opt out. There's been a lot of other players that have opted out as well. Marquise Goodwin, Devin Funches. Um, I believe Von Miller thought about possibly opting out because he contracted COVID. But, you know, I believe his team and all the safety, uh, safety precautions and everything that they put in, he felt comfortable with coming back. But the biggest news was the biggest news and funny news was the fact that most of the opt-outs have been coming from Patriot players. So let me read off the list of Patriot players that have decided to opt out. A lot are very key guys for that team and have been very key guys for that team for a very, very long time. The first one is Dante Hightower, middle linebacker and leader of that defense. Patrick Chung, safety, another veteran and leader of that defense. Brandon Bolden, another veteran running back. Danny Vital, Najee Tron, Marquise Lee, a new receiver that they just acquired, and Matt Lacoste. Yeah, that's eight. Okay, so pretty much all of them decided to sit out, and all of them are pretty pretty big pieces to that team. Um, we all know, of course, uh, who's still running and leading that team. Of course, TB12 went to Tampa. We have Bill Belichick, obviously, that's still there. And the narrative has always been, you know, which one has, who has it been? Has it been one, you know, one helping the other? Has it been both? You know, what's the case, pretty much? So I remember, you know, pretty much when the story came out, the first two, you know, first three, honestly, was Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, and Marcus Cannon, I believe. And then the other ones continued to follow. A lot of people were like, you know, Bill Belichick always has something up his sleeve. You know, figured this would be a throwaway year. They get their guy in the draft next year, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. You know, either one. Who knows which which one he would pick? 
Um, honestly, the way the league is going and the type of quarterbacks that are, you know, leading charge, such as Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar, who knows? He could go with a Justin Fields like, you know, quarterback. So, you know, pretty much everybody was joking saying, you know, Bill Belichick always has some something up his sleeve. He pretty much, you know, text and told these high caliber guys of, you know, their offense and defense pretty much sit this one out. We're gonna come back next year ready and strong, ain't going to be no pandemic. We're going to have our guy at quarterback, even though we just got Cam Newton, who has something to prove. He's still a very, very good quarterback, better than, you know, probably 60 70% of the quarterbacks that's in the league. And, you know, we're just going to ride it out. You know, we'll stink this year, but we'll be back on top next year. But then a lot of people also are saying and thinking, you know, Bill Belichick is not, like, I feel like his ego, whether he shows or not, wouldn't allow him to do that, like, you know, try to, you know, pretty much tank and have a throwaway season, whatever. But, you know, who knows? Literally, who knows? Because it is a little weird. Like, this is the only team that a lot of high-caliber guys are deciding to sit out. Um, big names are deciding to sit out. So, you know, I, I'm i not sure what's going on. You know, I don't know if it's uh, you know Patriot organization thing. You know, is, if it is Bill Belichick behind the scenes, if this is all coming from their thoughts, their mind, and, you know, just they're just playing family first. It's just weird. Like it's definitely weird to see all these big names from one team decide to sit out. But you know, it's neither here nor there. We'll see what happens during the season. I know they still have a lot of guys, a lot of weapons in that locker room. Hopefully, they're able to put together a season if there is a season, and you know, go out there and win. Because I want it for Cam, and I know Cam wants it for himself as well. He's not just seeing this as a, a throwaway year for him and his career. So, who knows what's gonna happen. But, you know, we'll see. Some more NFL news um, from about a week, week and a half ago. But the Jamal Adams trade finally happened. We all saw it coming. Just I didn't think this was the team he was going to be going to. A lot of people, you know, marked him off as a Dallas Cowboy. And I was one of those. I thought he was going to go to Dallas because he wanted to go there and Dallas wanted him. And, you know, they had pieces that I'm sure the Jets could use, you know, immediately. But he ends up going to the Seahawks. And there's a lot a lot in the fact that Seattle pulled off this trade. Um, for one, how I looked at it is both sides honestly won. The Jets get a good, viable safety that they can plug in, not a Jamal Adams caliber, but someone that's going to be solid for you, real solid. They also got two first-rounders out of it, one upcoming draft and the one after that. You know, first-rounders are objective. You know, a lot of people value them, others don't. You know, in the NFL, the trend has been – a lot of teams have been training the first rounders, such as, you know, the Rams for Jalen Ramsey gave up two. The Pittsburgh Steelers gave up one, I believe, for Minka, and I think another uh, round pick as well. So it's like a lot of NFL teams are valuing players now, and they see what they can do now. They need them now on the team. Others still kind of value first round picks and, you know, want to stack up on them. We've seen it with the you know, Miami Dolphins this past year, they stacked up on a lot of draft picks and they have some for the future as well. So only time will tell, especially when we see what, you know, where these picks, first round picks land for the Jets and who they pick to say who truly, truly won right now. Like I said, I think it's a great trade. It was a great trade on both ends. But for right now, obviously, the immediate um, impact of the trade is going to and trade winners is going to go for the Seattle Seahawks because they get a a dog at safety, you know, still a young guy to help that young secondary that they have over there. And just another key defensive piece to go along with, you know, 
bad defense in general. I was about to call them Legion of Boom, but um, you know, those days are over. But regardless, they still have a strong team on both sides of the ball. Both excuse me, both sides of the ball now. So they're honestly scary in the NFC East. I'm I think they're pushing Super Bowl and thinking Super Bowl this year, right now. You know, they they have viable offense on offensive weapons, you know, of course Russell Wilson. They brought in Carlos Hyde. They still got Tyler Lockett, DJ Metcalf another year. Looking at Antonio Brown, if Antonio Brown goes to them, I, I might have Seattle as my NFC favorites. I know my <laughs> I'm, I'm a Falcons fan and NFC, whatever, but, you know, they, Tampa Bay, they're doing whatever they got going on down there. Still hype around Dallas for whatever reason, but Seattle might, Seattle might just have to be my NFC favorite, especially if they get Antonio Brown and, and he plays up to par, you know, the, like the Antonio Brown that we know he can play like. Um, they just got key guys on both sides of the ball. They got players on both sides of the ball, and they're well coached by Pete Carroll. So, like I said, it was a, it was a trade expected, not team expected. Good trade on both ends. Seattle wins it for the immediate future. We'll see what happens with the Jets and, you know, what they can get out of those first round picks. And and Seahawks are just a scary, scary team in the NFC East now. So or NFC in general now. So, you know, it'll be definitely interesting to see this team on the field this year. Next, I'm gonna move on to Patrick Mahomes. You know, $500 million man signed that big contract. And with that, he decided to become part owner of the Royals after, you know, after that big deal, you know, got a minority stake in that team. He's been around baseball. He's played baseball. I forgot what team he was drafted by, but he was drafted by a team in um, 2014, but of course decided to pursue football instead. His dad also played for my Mets um, and somewhere else for like 11 years. So he's been around baseball. You know, he's just trying to create that generational wealth. Um, and he's young. He might be my age, honestly. Jeez. <laughs> like Super Bowl MVP, MVP. Oh, he might not have been Super Bowl MVP, but won the Super Bowl MVP part you know stakeholder in the kansas city royals 500 million dollars that's crazy all at the age of 24 you know because just god bless him with the athletic ability that likability and you know he's continuing trying to build on his family's legacy and continue that generational wealth so i love the move love that he got that much money like well deserved and love that he's taking part ownership in this baseball team you know in kansas city so Congrats to that man. Congrats to all his success. And I know we'll be hearing some more news from him shortly, I'm sure. Not NFL, but um, also football news. XFL. You know, we got the newest owners. This happened, I believe, yesterday. The Rock and his partner, Danny Garcia, ended up buying a league for about $15 million, bought, you know, XFL out of out of debt, out of bankruptcy. Um, I've seen a lot of a few uh, XFL games this year, and they weren't bad whatsoever at all like you know the new rules definitely spiced it up it caught my attention um along with other viewers and i think that the celebrity appeal of them buying you know the teams and you know just being able to compete just more having more football year round i think that's what you know the rock and um miss garcia are banking on to continue continue just having it you know on you know on television and be a success be a successful business venture so um Congrats to her. She's the first woman to own a league as well. You know, you don't really hear about that too, too often, but definitely uh, congrats to her. It's a, it's a big feat and I'm hoping all success to them. I like the rock, you know, he plays the same character in pretty much every movie that he ever plays in, but he's a, 
you know, good guy, good businessman. And I'm hoping this works out for everybody involved. You know, the XFL players that were playing, you know, different people that lost their jobs in XFL, hopefully they're able to get that back. You know, it could just be a win-win situation for pretty much everyone involved. So I'm definitely hoping that they come back strong and end up succeeding, you know, when everything succeeds or succeeds and hopefully, you know, COVID is over and they're, you know, eventually make the return in 2021. Lastly, I'm going to end the show on, on some NCAA news. Uh, this is definitely something I'm going to try to keep an eye on within the next few days. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, sort of good news and a lot of sort of bad news coming out of, you know, NCAA and the different conferences. First few um, points of emphasis, the SEC and ACC, two of the more power, two of the power five conferences um, have decided to only play in conference. They'll play a 10 game in conference schedule, which does a lot of good. Well, does a lot of good, I guess, for the SEC in a sense. They might end up getting three teams maybe in um, in the college football uh, playoffs, if that is still even going to be a thing. And I'll hit on that in a second. Uh, you know, pretty much because all the you know big name teams pretty much come out of you know, come out of there. Of course, you got your Ohio States and you know, Penn States and other you know teams such as that. But outside of them, their conferences are weak. So it kind of put pressure on them in order to you know decide what they're going to do. Um, with the Big Twelve, they've decided you know the first conference that has decided to not keep it in conference. They're going to play one non conference game. They're going to play that at the beginning of the year, and then nine conference games that will follow. Of course. Um, including their championship conference games. So that was pretty big news as well. Uh, but coming out of the Pac-12, it's a lot, a lot of concern. That's where most of the news is coming from. Um, they pretty much threatened uh, in an article that uh, they're, they're deciding they, they might sit out. <laughs> like They might sit out, and they, of course, cited it because of health and safety concerns um, in their uh, article to the Player Tribune. They also said they want to share revenue that would be generated and also want some type of initiatives to help end social injustice in college sports and society just as a whole. And this is just, it's been really, really, really big news. It was real ballsy, not even ballsy. Like it, it shouldn't even be considered ballsy because it's really, really valid. It's been valid for a long time. And I totally understand why they've done what they're what they've done and what they're doing is great. It's another step towards bringing the power shift back to the players where it should be all along, and not the big name corporation and big name you know entity that NCAA is, and all the things that they do, you know, profiting off of these kids' likeness and then shoving the scholarship in their face and saying like, "That's all you need here. Take it. You're getting free education, free food." when it's really not even like that. And that's not really the case. But anyway, I'll move on. Pretty much some of the demands that they've been saying, um, it's been broken down like four groups. And one of the things, or a few of the things are, players are demanding the option to not play football during the pandemic without losing their eligibility or their place on the team. They also want to prohibit and void any COVID-19 agreement that, you know, waive the liability of the school's behalf which a lot of schools, high schools too, high schools, elementary schools, middle schools, like a whole bunch of different organizations have been doing this. <laughs> like obviously the same, their own, but, but it's, you know, insensitive. They also um, have outlined in their article, uh, the players want player approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party that are selected by the players um, to deal with during this pandemic while they play, if they decide to play. Uh, they also 
want all sports to be protected, not just football. So basically, in order to do this, they want to eliminate excessive expenditures. Sorry, can't even talk today. But pretty much what that means is they just want the commissioner, Larry Scott, to drastically like cut excessive pay while ending performance and academic bonuses and stuff like that. So they pretty much want the school to end their like lavish facility, extra spending and such um, in order to create more revenue, you know, to preserve the you know funding of these sports that aren't going to be played if they decide not to play or that, you know, may eventually just end up getting cut. Uh, so the players specifically cited Stanford's $27.7 billion endowment, which obviously you can see billion. That's a lot of money. With the social justice realm or racial injustice realm, they want, they want the conference to permanently form a civic engagement task force made up of the leaders that they choose, experts of their choice, and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and society. And they also want 2% of the conference's revenue support financial aid for low-income Black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on each campus. So, I mean, that's it's not a lot at all, honestly. 2% of the billions of dollars that they bring in, like, that's honestly chump change, which, they, like I said, they should have demanded more than 2%. But, you know, this is a start, and, you know, this is their, man, their demands, and I don't know if they're going to be heard or if it's even going to be accepted, but... I love this by the Pac-12 and wish a lot of other conferences would have followed suit before kind of like them opting in or deciding that they want to play. Another school that kind of kind of falls in line, but, you know, hasn't done the same things to the extent. But, you know, maybe it will soon be soon to come. Seventy percent of Idaho players, they took a survey, I believe, and decided that they just didn't want to play at all. So their program, their football team might not even have a season this year. Seventy percent obviously is a lot. That's <laughs> more than half. So you know, like I said, for good reason, like we're going through a global pandemic. A lot of these players probably don't trust that these teams can keep them safe. You know, who knows if they can contract the virus. There's different strands of it for sure that's going around mild, moderate, you know, severe. So who knows what can happen? And I, I'm I'm on their side. Like I said, they already kind of get treated like crap by NCAA. What, what would make them want to play a season this year and possibly, you know, besides the risk of injury? contract the deadly virus and possibly you know who like like i said it's possibly who knows like there's a lot of things that's been coming with this virus a lot of symptoms you know people have died it's, it's a lot going on and they want to protect themselves and their families besides that that news with you know those different conferences and you know players and such the ncaa today actually decided to cancel d3 and d2 championships for all sports but they're going to allow the schools to you know play out the seasons if they like which you know kind of is pointless you know just playing the season just to play and possibly can track the virus like they might as well just cut all the sports um <laughs> all the sports for the d3 and d2 but it just continues to show their bias too to division one schools because obviously that's where most of the money comes from so they want to continue to push them to play and you know be out there and have a season but decide to cut d3 and d2 schools because so they just continues to show their prejudice and the disgusting thing that the NCAA is as a as a whole, as an entity, as an organization, it's just sad. Like I said, they allowing them to still play the season, but you know, canceling their championships. Like if they're gonna play the season, you might as well let them play the championships. Like putting them in harm's way, regardless, letting them say, like letting them decide whether they want to have the season or not. Like I 
and just showing favoritism. So we continue to bring in millions and billions off of these, you know, young young kids, you know, just off their likeness and their athletic abilities and everything, and just don't pay up. They they never pay up. They never allocate that money to them or any resources that they want, any of their demands, just nothing. So, you know, I'm I'm definitely have to read and look into more about the Pac-12 players and you know the article they wrote to the Players Tribune, but I definitely love what they're doing and the start that they've had so far. And hopefully, like I said, other students, conferences, organizations follow suit and the power shift can continue to happen. Well, all right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, talk a little bit more than I wanted to today, but like I said, it's been a lot of news, been gone, had to cover about two weeks of news and everything. So definitely hope you guys learned something, you enjoyed the show, enjoyed the opinions, you know, let me know what you guys think. Message me on Twitter at WTGMTM Podcast. You know, follow my podcast page. Let me know there. You know, you can even email me, jelanib 3 at gmail.com. So, you know, just let me know what you think, any ideas you may have um, for me for my upcoming podcast. Um, you know, anything that may just be on your mind, you know, just let me know. I welcome all feedback and criticism, you know, concerns, anything. So, like I said, glad to be back. Glad to get another episode under my belt. Got a lot of different things that's coming. Um, I have to finish off my final episode um, of the divisional rounds of my NFL Smack Talk Smackdown series. Then I'll do the conference rounds. Then we'll get this one-on-one Super Bowl smash up matchup going on. So definitely excited to finish out that series. Got a lot of other things coming in the works. Hopefully I'll be collaborating with some more former teammates. There's more content out there for you guys. And um, like I said, like, I'm, I'm enjoying this ride so far, and I'm glad you guys, you know, are still tuning in, listening to me, and hopefully I can continue to, you know, bring you guys some great conversation and, you know, just great content as a whole. So appreciate you guys' support, appreciate the love, and I'll see you guys next time.